On this week's episode of Peak Too Early, the boys break down the Milrose games and all the excitement that happened this past weekend. We have an interview with Olympic trials qualifier Joe Nemec, and we talk about Nike's release of the USA Olympic uniform. Let's get into it. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Steve. I'm pretty good. Uh, I have a little issue developing here that I just kind of wanted to come clean about on the podcast. So I'm trying to take my running seriously, so I've been making minor adjustments here. And one thing I'm big on is, like, snacking in the car. And I got, like, a 40-minute commute home, so I do a lot of snacking in the car. And usually it's, like, junk food, some woofing down chips and crap like that. So I've been trying to mix it up. I've been doing a little trail mix, but I just entered into the realm of uh, sunflower seeds, and I have become thoroughly addicted to some. I mean, I can't be in the car without just like crushing bags of sunflower seeds. So I think What's I your helped. Brand? Uh, right now I'm working on the Davids. I got okay. a little sweet, sweet and spicy going, or whatever it I is. I like the so. Davids still. The Davids <laughs> yeah, those ones are good too. Um, so I just feel like I replaced one problem and introduced a brand new one. So I don't know if that's the healthiest way to go about things, but. Yeah, could be worse. It's, it's what I'm working on. Yeah, I consider sunflower seeds a healthy. Yeah, it's snack. it's healthy, right? It's it's what seeds. You, what's to them? Yeah. Um. Also, they released the Taco Bell flavored sunflower seeds. <laughs> Not sure if you guys ran into those yet, but it's worth well, a check. I'm out. sure I will. <laughs> and as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing? I am good, gentlemen. I am not at the House of Sav tonight. I am where the House of Sav uh, was created, I guess, the inspiration for it, the old childhood bedroom uh, back in New Hampshire, repping the 603. It feels great to be here. This is my little recluse like from the world. I don't get cell phone signal here, so I'm just kind of turned off like from everybody. I get to just crawl up here, look at my old Nomar Garcia Parra. I was just going to Pedro Martinez. I mean, I'm looking around in my room right now. There's Kevin Garnett on the Timberwolves. I got old Michael Jordan. I got Boston College Eagles from 2004. It's great. Tyrese Rice. It brings back everything. Oh, I got a lot of Tyrese Rice. It's it's just the best. You literally cannot see the wall right now. It is covered. There's I don't I couldn't tell you what color that wall is. It's just all like Sports Illustrated cutouts. There's there's Roy Oswalt with the Astros. That's a good one. I got <laughs> I got Shaq with the Heat. Pedro, of course. Uh, I mean the list goes big on. Big Poppy back there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyways, um, so hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to make some announcements about some stuff that we have coming up Ooh. with the podcast. So uh, spent a little time doing some digging today. Um, did a little research, and I think a big question is where are we going to be on the day of the trials? And a lot of factors went into this. You know, I would like to be close to a bar because I'd like to indulge in a couple beverages during the race. We need to be obviously on the race course, but we need to be within striking distance of the finish line to get down there. So we want to be able to see runners come by more than once, have a couple beers, and be near the finish line. And I think I found it. So we're going to be at, unless unless things change, we'll announce it on future podcasts. But as of right now, we're going to be at the City Tap House in Atlanta to start the day, maybe get a little breakfast, a couple morning beers. I was I was DMing with them today, 
And I asked them, like, hey, what do you got going on? And they were very welcoming. They said peak too early is more than welcome welcome to come out here, have some fun during the race. And I said, well, what do you got going on during the race? They said, we're going to have a sign-making station for runners, so you can go there, make a sign. And they're selling beers. Forget this. They're selling beers for $2.62. Okay? Oh. 26.2. So, I don't uh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I just figured, you know, they, they I, I, I sent them a message. They responded in like five minutes, and they were like, yeah, we would love to have you guys come out here. So if there's any listeners in Atlanta for the race, I think this is the, the perfect spot to come meet us, uh, have a couple beers, and, and cheer on the, the, the friends of the program. I think a, a trait that we share is we can get behind something real quick. And it sounds like the city. What is it? The city tap house? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. yet. City tap. We are. That is our favorite bar in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I am saying it now. I have never been to Atlanta, but that, my God, is the best bar in all of Atlanta. All the South, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. Come out. Have a couple beers with us. Watch the race. All right. So we had a lot happen in the world of running this weekend. So with that, let's kick off the running news. So our lead story today is obviously the Milrose Games, another indoor track meet that was so much fun to watch this past weekend. Um, and I think the first storyline that we need to talk about from the Milrose Games is Donovan Brazier just continues his streak of absolute dominance, winning by another straightaway against even better runners from a couple weeks ago. Um, he blasted to the front of the pack in like two steps going into the bell lap. Just a just an unbelievable performance. Like, I don't see this guy ever being stopped. What do you guys no, think? I, I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe not this Olympics, but Olympics down the road, Donovan Brazier becomes a household name. That That's how good I think this guy is. He is that dominant that I feel like, you know, it takes a, a super celebrity, like a Michael Phelps type guy to, you know, generate you know, publicity outside of the sport. This could be the guy. He, Like we said in the past, he is 22 years old, and he is the best in the world at a distance where it is very hard to be the best in the world. At the half mile, you are dealing with the distance runners, which distance runners, Americans have a hard time breaking into the distance running world, and this guy is dominant. He's coming for the world record. I mean, Maybe not this year, but would you should be surprised if he got it this year? No. no. He's got both the indoor and the outdoor American record. This guy is the man, and we everybody should be 100% behind this guy. Um, so I'm pumped up. It's like I was thinking about it today, though, and it's a tight, tough time to be Bryce Hopple because if it wasn't for Donovan, Bryce Hopple would be the story of American distance I was just going to say that. Or Everything – Everything you just said about Donovan Brazier would apply directly it to could Bryce have been. Hopple. So, yeah. like, Bryce Hopple is just, you know, he's the man. Like, he ran a great race. As soon as Brazier went to the front, Hopple was right on his shoulder. He he ran a great race. He finished second, even though, you know, I mean, he was just up against the one of the best guys to ever do it. So, unfortunately, you know, I think he's got a lot of growing left to do. But right now, he's just living in a time during maybe the greatest or one of the greatest 800 meters of all time. We obviously have a soft spot for Hopple because he came in during his epic streak at Kansas where he was just winning He's everything. He's our guy, right? So when we're watching that, you know Brazier's the betting favorite, but Hopple, just the 
like the balls on him and just had you knew he was going to go with Brazier when Brazier went and he did. And you're, you know, this little part, I think of all of us is like, let's go Bryce. Like you can, you can shock the world right now. You don't lose. We love the way, but Brazier is in a class of his own. It's incredible. And I couldn't agree with you more, Mike, he's going to be a superstar. He just like looks the part too. You know, the way he runs such a smooth style. He's like, a, he's a good looking man. That guy's going to be in commercials, you know, leading up to the Olympics. I'm sure of it. And Steve, when you interviewed him after uh, the race down in Boston a couple weeks, like I said, 22 years old, but super well-spoken, answered your questions yeah. like, and you were asking like kind of outside the box questions, but immediately had answers to your questions. I mean, the guy is the full package and I am, uh, I mean, how cool would it be if those guys go one, two, either way. I mean, obviously I'd love to see Bryce get, get gold, but if we could see a one, two American finish in the, in the men's 800, that'd be awesome be amazing and i think the one thing that brazier needs to do to to like you said reach that level of you know mm-hmm, he obviously mm-hmm. needs to win to reach the level of like iconic olympian status like you know i have i have usain bolt coming to mind right in order mm-hmm. to reach that level he's gotta he's gotta embrace the cockiness a little bit because you know he Swag. has you know he has a little bit of that you know when he crossed the finish line in boston and shrugged he's just got to lean into that yeah, yeah. and he's got to embrace the cockiness he's got to embrace the swagger and then i think you're right i think we have like the iconic you know figure for us kind of going forward in the olympics which well, is exciting I'll- and all that's true, Steve, but probably the most important thing he could do to reach that status is just come on the damn podcast. Yeah, yeah. We had him. <laughs> we had him. We had him so close at, at Worlds last year. And then I'm we not interviewed giving him. No, I'm not giving up. Price not giving up. Donovan, we're coming for you. You're coming on the podcast. I know you read the DMs. I know you see those. So uh, we'll we'll get him on eventually. When when he gets gold, I'm I'm gonna say he was on the pod. I mean, Steve talked to him after the race. It was about true. 35 was, seconds of Brazier, yep. so he was on. <laughs> Another person that we interviewed after the New Balance Grand Prix, Ellie Purrier, with an amazing race. Just a absolute dominance out there. She set an American record with, I believe it was 416 in the mile, just completely dusting the competition in the bell lap. What do you guys think of this? I mean, the P2E bump is for real. Like you yeah. said, we, we had a short interview with Brazier. He's crushing it. We had a short interview with Elle. She's crushing it. Um, but the thing that's crazy is, like, at Worlds this past year, she was in the 5K. And I think she's, like, suited for the 5K. She's a great miler, but in that field that she was in, nobody was expecting her to win that. Or at least not a lot of people were, and certainly weren't expecting her to do it in American record fashion. It's like, at this point, does she turn her focus to the mile in the 1500 for the Olympics? I mean, she's just set herself as, you know, one of the top American miler 1500 meter runners of all time. So I think she has to. I mean, she's yeah, on to something here. I heard an interview with her. Uh, I think it was right after the race. But basically, they, they asked her that question. You know, what are you? Are you a miler? Are you a 5K girl? And she's just like. I don't know. I like them both. You know, I'm still trying to like figure it out. So she is not boxing herself into, you know, one event and we'll see where she goes from there. But I don't know why I haven't been more on the Purrier train. She she's going to UNH, right? She's she went to like the, the <laughs> university in my backyard. She's from the the absolute woods of northern Vermont. Right. I think that we all heard on the the, the broadcast. She's grew up on a farm that just made her super badass and everything like that. And then her reaction to when they told her she had their record. 
she was totally shocked and Floyd. It was an eight second PR, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like, yeah. who does that? She sat on Coco, who everybody in the announcer booth just talked about like it was a guaranteed victory for her. And she just, you know, shocked herself, but she didn't like get worried about the numbers or she saw her on the clock. She just ran it and, and stumbled away with an American record. It was awesome. And that's the other thing too, Trent, is like not only is she coming away with a record and like winning this race, she was doing it in a hyper competitive field i mean that that was a great field with some of the best runners in the world not even just in america but in the world so doing it on that stage she's got she's got to be someone you're looking out for i mean i think i mean mike you were talking about like she doesn't know if she's a 5k you know or miler i think she's a mile like from i mean the the races i've seen her run i mean we saw her at fifth avenue mile she just got inched out by Jenny Simpson at the that's line. Right, Unbelievable right. road mile. Watched her dominate in a, a super competitive field at uh, at Reggie Lewis Center a couple weeks ago, and now just this dominant finish. I think she's. I think she should set her sights on the on the mile. I hope so because she's exciting to watch out there. She can always move up to the 5K in a few years, like everybody else. That's right. Enjoy <laughs> yeah. the speed while you got it, Al. Speaking of speed, Ajay Wilson just dominating the 800 with an American record out there. She crossed the line. She was she was she wasn't even breathing hard. She just made this look so easy. What do you guys think of this? Yeah, I mean, similar to Brazier, she is the undisputed favorite in the world right now. I mean, she should win gold. And every time she wins in races, like you said, it looks so damn easy. The only time it didn't look easy was at the World Championship. So that's the only thing that gives me pause about Aji, right? Every time I've ever seen her race, she's been completely and utterly dominant. But in the World Championship stage, she wasn't. So that's going to be the question for her. That's what's going to kind of sit in the back of her mind going into the Olympic year. Like, all right, can Aji do it on the biggest stage? And you love to see the rebound right now. She's setting herself up to be ready to do it, right? She obviously, you know, takes the American record. So she's running faster than she ever has before. She's gonna have a lot of pressure on her though, um, so we'll see how she we'll see how she does. But she looks damn good right now. And so I don't know about you guys, but you know, as you know, since we started this podcast and we're paying you know a little bit closer attention to the sport of track and field, you know, more so than I did before we did the podcast. There's been a couple events that I've really enjoyed watching. One of them's the high jump. The other one's the pole vault. Like I really enjoy watching the pole <laughs> vault and Mondo Duplantis just with a incredible performance out there and an even better celebration what do you guys think of this yeah we're in like a good time for pole vaulting because there's so many good pole vaulters out there but mondo this dude is electric and i was reading something about him today like i guess he i know his dad was like a pole vaulter and so he's been training for this since he was like you know an infant basically he's been doing this his whole life so he's been like kind of a a prodigy a, a pole vault prodigy but he hit that record and just starts sprinting around the gym like a crazy person. He's jumping up into the stands, hugging his mom. The whole place is going nuts. That kind of celebration, that kind of reaction is, you know, in a lot of ways unique to the jumps. I see like, I think you see that kind of like energy and stuff like that in the high jump, in the pole vault. I love it. And this guy's going nowhere, right? So it's like, we're going to be able to see this. And like I said, because it's a great pole vault class we got going right now, we got that – what's that American guy's name there? Uh, Sam, Sam Kendricks. Kendricks. Yeah. Sam Kendricks, that's what it is. Uh, so you got Sam Kendricks from America who actually this weekend just broke the American record. Um, 
he's obviously, you know, got a ways to go until he gets to Mondo's world. But, like, so you have the best American pole vaulter ever do it and the best pole vaulter in the world to ever do it. Going to be going head-to-head at the Olympics. So it's a good time for pole vault right now, which is yep. a weird thing for me to say at every time <laughs> I'd be saying that. In in a way, pole vault's kind of the perfect sport for this Twitter age, YouTube age, where you're just yep. crushing highlights, right? You can know nothing about track and field. You can know you can just not be a sports fan whatsoever. But to watch Mondo do that world record pole vault is just this like this athletic feat that just blows your mind of how high up he gets and just the way his body bends. It's absolutely mind blowing. I mean, any elite pole vault, like if you're not, if you don't watch a sport of track and field and you just see a clip of an elite pole vaulter kind of going up and going over an impressive distance, it's always exciting. But I agree, Mike, this Olympics for the pole vault, it's so top heavy. It's going to be super competitive and it's going to be one of the most uh, fun events in the sport to watch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It is. And it is top heavy. But the thing is, like, just because Mondo is probably, like, the best to ever do it, that doesn't guarantee anything in the pole vault because the pole vault yep. is one of those events that not, the, the best in the world doesn't always win because sometimes you don't have your day, you don't have the technique, and screw up. All it takes is screwing up, like, one jump and getting one of those, you know, X marks. That can screw up your whole day. Yep. People are going to watch, too, because Mondo's going to suck people in. When he mm-hmm. was celebrating like a madman, did you guys just see all the cameramen in the entire stadium were just surrounding him like a paparazzi, <laughs> yeah. like he was Taylor Swift, like walking in. Like, it was really cool. When you have the personality like that and the energy and the swag, the cameras are going to find you. You're going to get promoted, and people are going to watch. Women's 3K. Awesome race to watch. Ali Ostrander from the Brooks Beast Track Club. Nip, nips or competition at the line in a super impressive kick. Uh, we had friend of the program, Alicia Monson, in the race. Um, this, this, I wasn't expecting a ton from this race, but this was so much fun to watch. What do you guys think of the women's 3K? Yeah, actually, I was pretty pumped for Alio because it'll be interesting to see what it's like for her going forward, right? I think for a, a little while, she's going to continue being a steeplechaser. I think she's probably going to make well, I don't a know. bit for the for the Olympics. But that's what I'm saying is like, if she continues to establish herself as, you know, a distance runner and put herself in contention in, in races like this, it'll be interesting to see if she separates herself from the steeplechase and, you know, starts targeting the 5k and stuff like that. So who knows, but I think it was an impressive performance from her. Awesome race. And yeah, definitely shout out to our girl, Alicia. No, Mike, I, I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting, um, you know, thing to bring up because, the women, the women's steeplechase is, is pretty strong. Yeah. Like it would be very, very difficult, um, for Ali Ostrander, the NCAA national champion last year to sneak into that, that, that Olympic team doing the steeplechase. So she has to make a decision. She has to make a decision pretty quickly. Like, is she going to go into the steeplechase and try to compete to, to make the Olympic team? Or is she going to set her sights on a, on a different event? And I think she's proving with a race like this, she's not pigeonholing her as herself as a steeplechaser. She is extremely talented and she can compete in some of the other events. So I'm excited to see what she chooses. And if I'm being honest, I don't think it's going to be the steeplechase. Hmm. I kind of am rooting for her to stick with the steeplechase, though. I kind of I don't like when the steeplechase becomes this like second class event where if you're not quite good enough for the five or three k, you, you kind of go down and you work on your hurdles and then you can make an Olympic team that way. It's really fun. You said it, Steve. There's some there's some really good competition there. Um, it's really good and I think it's good for the sport to have some of the elite athletes, you know, stick with the steeplechase. 
Yeah, well, maybe we can get her on to talk about it. <laughs> She'd be a good guest. She would yeah. be. That'd be great. <laughs> um, and so moving on to, we already talked about El Perrier's dominance in the women's Wanamaker Mile. Let's talk about the men's Wanamaker Mile. Um, Chris O'Hare, dominant finish, you know, winning by a significant margin. Our guy, friend of the program, Ollie Hoare, in the race. What did you guys think of this Wanamaker Mile? It was just another electric race. I mean, you had the, the strong finish by Chris at the end there, but uh, the the entire sport or fan base of track and field just needs to go and watch, you know, all these races on YouTube to see just the, the stacked stadium. You know, they have the, the upper level there. Have you guys ever run at the armory? I actually haven't, which is crazy. Yeah, I haven't it's, it's crazy that I've never run at the armory. It's because us New England guys never have to leave New England to get that right. track because I haven't either. Right. Because when you, you grow up in Boston or around Boston, you don't get the race there. But the uh, the spectacle of it is incredible. And you you see them come out and they had the like like they come out for the Super Bowl. Right. They had I don't even know what you would call it, but the pyrotechnics as they introduced yeah, people. Crazy. Yeah. And all like again, like the paparazzi photo flash, the, the two rows of seating. It's just an electric atmosphere. And, and it was just you know, awesome to, to be, you know, watching that. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were some great performances all around, but Steve, you kind of hinted on it. And our guy, Ollie, I was super impressed with him because we know where he stands on kind of the NCAA, you know, stage there. But I mean, he's up against some huge names, giants of the sport. And he was right in there and put himself in great position in an awesome race. I think that bodes incredibly well for, you know, his upcoming indoor season, indoor championship. I think he's going to put himself in a in a position here to uh I, you know i'd say I, i'd be willing to say he's the favorite right now to to get back to another ncaa championship and it, i mean he finished second i mean chris o'hare ran a very impre- impressive 355 he finished second um but he didn't sit back and kind of steal that second place he was up at front up at the front he was either he was in the top three for the entire race and when chris broke away he had the entire field on his back and he managed to hold off all of those kickers, you know, people like um, Nick Willis were, were trying to track him down. And he managed to fight off all those, you know, greats of the sport. Um, so I think uh, Ollie's performance kind of gets overshadowed by by Chris O'Hare's performance out there. But um, a great, great performance from the Wisconsin senior. But I also wanted to say this. Milrose Games, want to make a mile? These guys are doing it right. Um, you know, they picked a weekend where there isn't any other sports going on. There's they're they're done with football. There isn't anything there isn't anything big going on this weekend. So they picked a perfect weekend for it. Like you said, they they hype up this this Wanamaker mile. They they introduce people, they have pyrotechnics, and at the end, their trophy is they essentially have like a Stanley Cup that lives <laughs> at the armory and they give to to people and the, as soon as they cross the finish line they hand them like the you know the lord stanley you know replica trophy and they kind of do a victory lap with it milrose games you're doing it right like we we preach all the time that track meets need to do a better job of marketing and kind of promoting the sport and showcasing it in a way they did it the right way I, and it was a lot of fun to watch on espn i'm sorry so, watch on nbc yeah I totally agree, Steve. And it's so interesting because I think in a lot of ways, this was a lot of people's like championship race because we have USAs coming up, but especially with no indoor worlds this year, I don't think a lot of people are going to care about indoor USAs. I think a lot of people are ending their season 
and turning their focus to the Olympics, which for some people could be a good opportunity for them to, you know, get themselves a U.S. championship. But in in a lot of ways, it feels like the Milrose Games this year was kind of like the marquee indoor event. And I think for a lot of people it was. Yeah. And I, I wonder I, what it would look like to make that the indoor championship. Yeah. Milrose Games. No, no kidding. Just Not make that the idea. world championship shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this year at least. <laughs> yeah, it should have been. Right. So we've interviewed a lot of marathoners getting ready for the Olympic trials, which we're heading down to in a couple weeks, which I'm very excited for. A lot of different stories. Stories from some of the, the best marathoners in the country to, you know, kind of some of the more unique stories. And the guy that we have on today's podcast, Joe Nemec, is one of those more unique stories. He's a guy that had to grind it out, had to fight for every opportunity, and he finally made the Olympic team. So let's get into our interview with Joe Nemec. Well, All right, we are here with Olympic trials qualifier, Joe Nemec. Joe just qualified for the Olympic trials at the Houston Marathon. Joe, welcome to Peak Too Early. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. We're excited to talk to you because we've had we've had a lot of marathoners on the podcast that are going to be racing at the end of this month down in Atlanta and lots of different types of stories. Um, and you're the first person that we've had on that has qualified at Houston, so last chance to qualify. Yeah. And I just want to start off by asking you, you know, all the work that goes into something like this, it's got to be years and years of, of work to make this happen. What does that feel? What's that feeling when you cross the finish line and you realize that you were down to the last race and you finally qualified for the trials? Yeah, man. I, I don't know if you've seen the photos from the finish, but uh, the photo pretty much sums it up for me. Um, I pretty much let off let out all my emotion you know as it kind of hit me that I was crossing crossing the finish line well under the standard um and just just it all hits you at once and it's it's a pretty uh unique experience and I think it's a reason why a lot of us um do this sport because um I don't know if you guys are runners but there's there's so many bad days and so many non-glamorous days um in this sport and it's just when you have that moment to just uh just like bask in the the success in the yeah just enjoy that moment it's 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 really special yeah I, I i did see those pictures and you know that moment looked amazing for you i know we've all you know in our running careers probably had some good moments but nothing quite like what that was but then the tricky thing is right now it's like you had that moment but now you have to turn your yeah. energy and attention to the trial so how long were you able to kind of soak in that moment and enjoy it before it was like all right I gotta start getting ready to to try and make an Olympic team yeah it was a solid uh three days um I would say uh I think I'm, I'm a huge advocate of just you know t just listening to your body and taking it slow and it, I know I had a you know six week turnaround is pretty pretty tight for a, a marathon buildup so it was uh definitely had to start thinking about, okay, how are we going to get the legs back? How are we going to get back into to race shape in a really short amount of time? Um, so it's definitely thinking a lot about that. And, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it was just a matter of just enjoying it and then, um, you know, giving it a couple days, but then, you know, starting to walk, go for walks. And then within, within five to six days, I was back at it. So, yeah. So not not an ideal turnaround, obviously, if you're you know you're trying to drop no. the race, but no. that's kind of like what we always subscribe to over here is not letting ourselves like get worried about 
you know, the math or, or the schedule, just kind of like running the races as they come. So um, how do you get your mindset just like ready to attack it and to, you know, ignore the fact that maybe if uh, a marathon coach is drawing a training plan, this wouldn't be the training plan? Yeah, wow. Gosh, you guys ask really good questions. Holy smokes. Hey, thanks. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Man, okay. Um, I like that. So I think because for me, like mindset is is the reason I love this sport. I love uh, just the mental aspect of it. And so for me, it, it, it kind of prevented or pre- presented like a unique challenge to see like, hey, you know, a lot of people talk about just doing two big marathons a year and um, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, I think things are changing a little bit in the sport and, and people are, you know, you see uh, runners like Sarah Hall just putting down races. And I think, I think we're coming around to the idea that you can, you know, get in a lot more quality, hard efforts, um, in a year than maybe just two, two peak marathons. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's just a matter of like, I know I have the fitness. Um, I have a good level of fitness and that was proven in Houston. And so for me, I know I'm not going to build, um, maybe any new fitness, but if I can get myself in a position to attack the trials with the same kind of successful race plan, I think I stand a chance to, to place maybe a lot higher than, um, people that are, you know, a couple minutes faster than me ranked right now. So I think, um, especially it being a championship race and it being a harder course, it's going to be tactical. It's going to come down to, um, I think race strategy and I think not getting caught up in, you know, just the excitement of, of being in the trials. Like you're, I, I think there's going to be a group of, of, of guys that go out and just kind of attack that first loop. Um, and I, I don't know, I, to me, it's just about knowing what my limit is. You know, I'm a 217 guy right now and I got to, figure out what that effort level is on the, the, the Atlanta trials course and, um, just, just stay within myself. And then hopefully in that last 10 K when, you know, the Hills are starting to catch up to people, um, you know, we can, we can start talking about moves and stuff. I'm yeah. so pumped up. Like I, we're, the three of us are heading down to, we're, we're up in the, in the Massachusetts area, but we're heading down oh, to Atlanta. Sick. That's we're awesome. Heading down. Wait, are you yeah. guys all runners? Sorry. I don't know. Anything yeah, about we you. are so terrible. No, no worries. We, we all, uh, we all ran in college. We all okay. ran at the, the D2 level track yeah, cross country. Same. We kind of pride yeah. ourselves as a, as, as more of the, the distance type, but now we're, we're washed up and we're trying to stay involved <laughs> in the, the sport in whatever way we can. So we started this podcast about a, about a year ago and you know, the whole goal with this is we're just trying to make the sport fun and we're yeah. trying to showcase, we, we, we rarely talk about training and that sort of thing, but we're, yeah. we're trying to showcase the, the personalities of the sport to, uh, get people excited about it. Well, that's cool. That's really unique. I like that a lot. <laughs> and so on that, you know, I think we, one thing we've been trying to do is we've been trying to like figure out, you know, when people tune in to, to watch the trials, like what can they latch onto, uh, you know, about the people racing and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I, I, well, I don't think it's, it's very hard to call a 217 marathon or a common man, but I feel like your approach to the sport in the way that, you're doing it compared to some of the people you're going to be lining up against is, you know, you're kind of the common man, you know, you're, you got a family, you have three kids. You're not, you're not at these, you're not at a training camp at altitude training with a, with a, with a team, with a, with a staff full of of people to help you out. You're just grinding out in your day-to-day life. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Wow. That, yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. Like I've always thought of myself as kind of like a blue collar runner. Like, you know, there are, you know, I think somewhere around 200 guys qualified, maybe a little over 200 and I'm ranked, you know, right in the middle. Like that's kind of how my life as a runner has been. I've always been right in the middle of whatever pack or group I'm trying to be in, you know, and 217 is a solid time, but it's not, you know, it's not going to win any world majors or anything like that. So I've, I definitely always kind of started at the bottom, but I think that's where, you know, yeah, I have a family. I have three kids. Um, it's not easy to, to put in the miles. It's not easy to train. But I think for me, what I'm trying to do with this sport is just show people that um, you can still chase dreams post-college, um, even though, you know, they tell you to go get a real job and do real <laughs> things. And, and some people have to, you know, and I understand that, but like for me, it was, it was just as, as simple as like me and my wife kind of getting on the same page and deciding like, this was a dream that I wanted to chase. It's something that I've wanted for a long time now. And I think just for the last five years, um, week in and week out, dedicating myself to that goal. Um, I, yeah, I just hope that, you know, there's people out there that listen to this and just like not giving up on your dreams is I think the biggest message of, of what I'm trying to, to do with my running. And so, um, if, if any, anything I do in this sport inspires someone to keep doing something that might sound ridiculous on paper, cause five years ago, 217, you would have said, I, I need to run a marathon. I need to run 26 miles at 517 pace. I would have told that's nuts. That's just <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, that's nuts. And, you know, here we are five years later, it's been a super long road, but I did it, you know? And so I don't right. know. I, yeah, that's awesome. It is awesome. So I, I appreciate you commenting on our good questions, but this is the part of the interview where I'm probably going to take it off the off the rails a little bit here. So we, yeah. admittedly, I do most of my research on people's on people's Instagram, and oh, nice. correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like your wife is an Instagram coach. Is that right? She is a social media influencer. Um, okay. So yeah, she is. She 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 she's the one that coaches me on how to do Instagram because I'm you know I'm not up to speed on that world. <laughs> gotcha. So I was trying to do a little research on you to find a little bit more about your personal life, and I'll be honest with you, I think you're gonna have to have a few more sessions with your wife because I had a hard time figuring it out through your Instagram. So why don't you tell me a little bit about outside of the running world? What do you do? What is what does Joe look like outside of the running community? Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> I I graduated from a D2 school just like you guys. Just out of curiosity, where, what school did you go to? Trent and I went to uh, Stonehill College in Massachusetts, okay. and then you I probably never heard too. of Steve's. You probably never heard of Steve's school. You went to Bentley University. In <laughs> Bentley, nice. So I was a Cedarville <laughs> University grad. That's a D2 NCAA D2 school. Um, I was an electrical engineer out of college. Um, worked, you know, at Lockheed, Lockheed Martin and a couple other defense contractors for a couple years, and then just last year. Uh, me and my wife kind of decided with our, she was pregnant with our third kid at the time. We just decided, we were living in Michigan at the time. We decided to kind of take a leap of faith and just like go for this goal. And there was an opportunity with um, GTC Elite, uh, which is the team I'm with right now down in Greenville, South Carolina. So we relocated about a year ago to just kind of pursue this dream. Um, and so we did that and, uh, here we are a year later, and uh, quite honestly, I am still trying to figure out what I am now. Um, I'm you know, obviously a runner, but as you know, at the at, at the level I'm at, it's not really paying any bills. Um, so, so 
So I'm also picking up investing on the side, and then I do a little bit of freelance um, electrical design work as well. Wow. And then I also do kind of a lot of the back-end chores for, for my wife's uh, online business. So that nice. all of that plus kind of parenting keeps me keeps me super busy i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah day. three kids that uh that kind of <laughs> gotta imagine that takes up most of your day yeah so your your wife and um and you obviously you know you made this decision together to to move to north carolina and to really attack uh your your running career now correct me if i'm wrong she was your coach before this latest team move right yes you nailed it you okay so, so yep. what's that like like if you don't take out the garbage does she make you do like you know more core that day like how does that work so my my wife is an amazing woman i love her so much and what what i i would say she is still my coach she is my mental coach i think there's two aspects to running there's the there's the training plan right there's the you know execute this workout on this day at this pace and you know it's just like a job but then there's also you know, what I would say is probably 70% of running, which is the mental aspect. And if you cannot figure out how to get control of your head, you will not be a successful runner. So I think you look at all the elites, what they're really good at is controlling their emotions. They're, they're, they're in control of how they think. Um, and all of that plays out on race day specifically. But, you know, on training days, you know, when I don't feel like going running, my wife is there to get my ass out the door, right? And to push me out and to say, Hey, you, you committed to this goal. You need to work right. And, and commit to it. Cause you know, let's be honest, there's, there's bad days for, for anything. Right. Sure. I think, I think I need a wife or something. Cause I haven't yeah. gone running in a while. <laughs> <laughs> she might make you take your hats down though. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> That's going to be a no go. <laughs> oh, man. Joe, this has been a, a ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, but before we let you go, yeah. we end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right. Name of the game is down the home stretch. It's a rapid fire question game. Oh, Your yes. topic today is underdogs. You kind of be in, like we said, the common man underdog story. Yes. Yes. We're going to be rapid fire underdog questions. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right. Start the clock. So, here we go, Joe. What is your biggest non running upset in life? upset man i don't have an answer to that upset like (laughs) i've been upset or i've upset someone you can take it however you want (laughs) it's up for interpretation yeah well we'll just count a a couple saturdays from now maybe that'll be it yeah i love that (laughs) all right jeez i'm sorry guys that's terrible (laughs) so so Joe, I'm, I'm been... so good at being an underdog. I just, I never come back, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. So Joe, I've been big into uh, betting hockey underdogs lately. And okay. so I want to ask you a question. Tonight, should I bet on Chicago <laughs> over Edmonton or Ottawa over Colorado? Oh, let's go to Detroit. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> not on, not on the list, but I'm a Detroit <laughs> fan, so we'll go with that. Let's do that. All right. Which Rocky movie is the best Rocky movie? Rocky Four. Yeah, I mean, obvious Love confidence. On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep on the movie theme there. What's what's a bigger uh, upset? You had the the United States hockey team beating the Soviets as depicted in Miracle, or Average Joe's coming out on top in Dodgeball. <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? I mean, you just can't you can't get any better right. than that. Miracle on Ice, baby. Joe, do you have a dog? Hell no. 
No. Okay. <laughs> I don't do animals. Okay. Dude, I got I got three kids. I don't got time for a dog. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Mike, hit him with the last question. All right, my last question is Rudy, the greatest underdog story of all time. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Joe, like I said earlier, we are going to be down in Atlanta. We're going to be on the sidelines going crazy for you. We you better be that. going freaking crazy. We are oh, <laughs> going to have a blast. I promise. And, I, and I, want, I want one of those beers at the finish line. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll plenty. Trust we'll, me. We'll make that happen. <laughs> Thank you. All right, All right Joe. It's nice meeting you guys. Thanks, Thanks for coming out. Yeah, good, good luck in a couple weeks. So that interview with Joe was brought to you by the Irish Clover 5-Miler in Drakeit, Massachusetts, coming up next month on March 8th. Guys, I just checked registration the other day. We're already at 500 pre-registered runners. So now, like I told you a couple weeks ago, only the first 600 people that sign up for this race get T-shirts, and the T-shirts are awesome, and we're capping the race at 850 people. So... I think there's a real chance that we're going to get to that cap. So if you want to race, if you want to be there on March 8th, race for the $250 prize for the male and female winners. If you want to hang out, drink beers with us, and get some food and enjoy some live music after the race, you got to sign up now. So guys, Nike just released the USA kit for the Olympics. I got some thoughts. I want to hear what you guys think about it. My thought is... I love them. I love them. I think they are super sick. If anybody hasn't seen them, they're like this kind of like faded red and blue horizontally kind of looking line. I mean, it's too hard to describe, but they are cool looking. And here's the reason I like them the most. Can somebody explain to me why our uniforms in the past have been baby blue? That's not an American color. That's not a USA color. We had these, like, baby blue kits with the red USA and all that stuff. It's like, why why would the the color of our uniforms, these ones, are sick. They're awesome. I'm pumped up. They look way more American, way more badass, all in on these uniforms. You know know what else is not uh, uh, one of the USA colors? Purple. And that's what these uniforms look like. The red and blue just meshes together to form way too much purple. The 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 men's top looks a little like more the colors are more divided and I kind of like it. He's got the simple blue shorts. I like that. But I don't understand why we have these purple like leggings on everybody and everybody has the purple like you know Allen Iverson shooter sleeves. Let's get that out of here. Plus why is there a bathing suit out there? I don't get what the person the official press release has like the full you know. Like she's, you know, that's the sprinter bodysuit. The sprinter bodysuit looks like she's about to dive into the pool to race Michael Phelps in the hundred. Get that out of here. Wear some track and field uniforms. I'm not a huge fan. Hold on, see, before you go, before you go, there there needs to be something unique and cool about the uniforms. It's not purple. It looks purple because when you do something cool and like mesh together red and blue, that's science. That's what happens when red and blue mix. It becomes purple. I'm not a science guy, dude. Mike, you're so wrong. These yeah. kids no. are garbage. Mike, you'd rather have baby blue? It's not baby blue, okay? It's a very like it's it's a it's a loud blue. It's classic. I love the classic solid color. You see that blue singlet coming around the track, you know that's a USA athlete. This I don't like Trent said, like 
if from a distance it looks purple. The way that the red and the blue, it's kind of like they're not stripes. They're kind of blended together in this like weird ombre color that looks purple. It doesn't look. I, I'm I am not a fan of these kits. I want the I want the bold standout blue. You know that's coming around the bend into the home stretch. That that's a that's a USA runner. I'm I'm not a fan of this at all. You guys you guys sound like crusty old men. Maybe. Hey, listen, if they went with a solid red, I might like that. But I'm a fan of the solid colors. This is like when this is like when, you know, the let's say the New England Patriots, they had these beautiful, solid, classic red uniforms. And in the mid nineties, they're like, Oh, we gotta be cool, we gotta be hip, we gotta change it out. They get rid of the they get rid of Pat the Patriot, they bring out the the flying Elvis logo and they do these disgusting, you know, new colored jerseys. Just stick with the classics. People like the classics. And, and for I a think, race like the Olympics, you want a classic uniform. And I think you can make like minor adjustments. I'm okay with getting a little bit away from the classic, right? But keep the, the main colors there. Make small, subtle changes that kind of bring it out. Don't look like, you know, some kid was playing with water paint and got all the colors mixed up. Like, look at the woman's uniform. It, it's just all over the place. I, uh. Yeah. Yuck. That's all I have to say, boys, is yuck. Get off my lawn, boys. Very disappointed in this one. Very disappointed in this one. I will say, though, the Kenya kits do do look pretty sweet. I mean, those are are spot on with, like, the Kenyan colors. They got the cool pattern. I'm a fan of the Kenyan kits. Um, USA, not so much. What are you talking about you like the – you just went on this big rant about how you want classic uniforms. And Kenya is breaking out these, like, 3D – Kenya of all places. Of all places. But those places. have their traditional colors. You see those colors, you know that's a Kenyan runner coming around the bend. I don't know that's a USA runner. Yeah, but Kenya doesn't need to get, like, gimmicky with these, like, 3D squares. Just wear the classic Kenya uniform, show up, and dominate what? the distance events you're, like they always do. No, no. See, I like USA because they're sleek and cool and sharp. These ones, it look, it looks like building blocks. It looks like a, a child's uniform. It's ridiculous. I it's so it gimmicky and so stupid. I – oh, my God. And Kipchoge came out in, like, support of these uniforms and was like – Oh yeah, they're super what unique. Do you think he's like, say? get out of here, Kipchoge. Get out of here. They're so he's lame. Gonna, he's gonna bash his company. Yeah, he should say what he actually believes, because I'm sure he thinks that they look ridiculous. <laughs> I can't really offer a judgment because they give me a headache to look at, so I haven't really been able to take them in. <laughs> and so our last topic today is the boys are finally gonna weigh in on this on these Tyreek Hill comments about being able to run the 200 at the Olympics. What do you guys think about this? So I I have two, I guess, mildly conflicting takes. My first take is that I need Tyreek Hill to do this. I need him to try and make the Olympics. Because we talk about, like, how are you going to grow the brand and get people excited? Okay, get, like, a high-level football player in there. Bring the most popular sport in America to track and field, get people excited about it. But if anybody thinks that he has any chance to make the Olympic team, get out of my face right now. Get out of my face. I understand how fast he is. I understand that he's like the fastest guy in the NFL. But that's like it's almost like disrespectful to these high-level track athletes that dedicate their entire life to this sport. There's a difference between being fast 
in being a great high-level Olympic sprinter. I think he would be competitive and good because he's just got raw speed, but he has literally zero chance of making this team. He's not going to be Justin Gatlin. He's not going to be Noah Lyles. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I had the exact opposite two <laughs> takes on it. So my first thought was, I hate when these other athletes, you know, are so cocky and they think they can just show up to a track and field event, you know, and just just dominate based on pure speed alone. It's kind of the get off my lawn, you know, track and fields, track and field athletes type of thing. However, I mean, I've watched a lot of Chiefs game, and that guy is damn fast. And I mean, you he won me a it, lot of money in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and all the best athletes, you know, financially speaking, and you're just growing up. Most of these guys are playing other sports. Most of these guys are playing football. Even, you know, you get to the D1 level. A lot of really good D1 sprinters are also college football players. And Hill is like maybe the fastest. NFL player well, I've ever seen. It wouldn't shock me if he go out there. He's got to, you know, work on his starts and all that stuff. He's got to like, he can't just show up tomorrow. But if he gives a few months of training, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked so, if he surprised everybody. And Tyree Kill was a great sprinter. Like he ran in track and field and was a great sprinter. But the difference is, training for football is not training for track. It's completely different training. And like, yeah, this starts and. The, the way you the way you strength train and everything you do is completely different for sprinters and football players. You can still be crazy fast and have crazy speed and talent, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can compete with the top yeah. sprinters in the world. It's a different sport. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that that red it, it line graphic me. that was out there that uh, ESPN put out of like where Tyreek Hill would have finished at the World Championship was completely bogus like that there's no way he would have finished i think they had him like finishing third at the world championships i mean i need this to happen like i need tyreek hill to be at the olympic trials like it would be awesome awesome for the sport to even see him do well but i think i think people are really they're really discrediting like how much goes into the timing of the start. Like in a in a in a in a race like the 100 meters or the 200 meters, the start is so important and the timing there. Like that takes, I mean, that takes a lot of practice and getting that down right. And I think that he would dominate. He would be very dominant over the first 40 yards, but over full 200 meters, I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't think he's gonna come close to the to the Olympic team, but. I need the spectacle of him being there. I think it's going to be great for our sport. And I wish <laughs> I wish that this was happening with a uh, a better character athlete. Because if this was somebody from the NFL that we could get behind, I know. instead we got this just huge scumbag, you know, coming in here trying to trying to participate in our sport, which which really stinks. I wish it was like somebody I really liked and I wanted to get behind and I would be all about this, but Tyreek Hill is such a scumbag. I know. But I just I don't I don't know if I want this. It's it's so true. It's like it's like hard for us to like push it and like try and put out content when this guy is just like not exactly the kind of character we're no. <laughs> on this show. No. No. I but it, it did get me thinking, do you remember who was the um shoot, who was the Oregon the Oregon football player that was also a hundred meter hurdles, uh, um, uh, Devin Allen, right? Yeah. He was, he was yeah, a really right. good, he, he was like a, he was like a kick returner and he was also like a hundred meter hurdles guy. I really wanted the Patriots to draft him. I feel like Belichick could have done so much with him. <laughs> um, just, uh, just wasted talent choosing track over football. 
Speaking of these uh, transitions, did you guys see that Donovan Brazier mentioned that he was going to uh, potentially try and be an NFL wide receiver one day? I mean, you know, I know we've talked about the Patriots a few times in this podcast, (laughs) but I could use we could use him. We could use his speed out there. I mean, send him on a go route with uh, with with Tom Brady throwing him the ball. That'd be a thing of beauty. The thing is, though, like, would he? Would he have that much football speed? I mean, like, I love Dunham Brazier more than the next guy. But 800-meter speed is not, like, I agree. football speed. I agree. But, Mike, did you see him move to the front of the pack at the 800, in the in the middle of the 800 during the Milrose games? He moved to the – he, he uh, uh, Solinsky was, was leading the race by a lot. And in one straightaway, he took, like, three big strides, and he had a gap on the field. So, like, watching something like that, it's just like – Maybe he might have football speed. Oh, can he catch the ball? Can he like be acrobatic <laughs> in the air? <laughs> like I didn't say what, that. What are we talking about? He might he might be a better arena football league player. You know how they get yeah, the head maybe. start? Yeah, they get those I like, like five steps like going. Because once he's going, he goes. But can he get off the line? I guess that's the question. Well, we I would say I uh, I just gave Tyreek Hill zero percent chance to make the Olympics. I would say that Tyreek Hill has a better chance of making the Olympics than Donovan Brazier has of ever making an NFL football team. Imagine <laughs> he just lines up and they send him and like he gets thrown the ball and the, the ball touches his fingertips and he just gets laid out and he just he just <laughs> or he like he burns a guy completely, shows off like unbelievable speed, is wide open, the ball is thrown to him and it just breaks <laughs> right off of his hands. Well, you gotta. I, I, the point of like him going up and just getting laid out. How fast is he gonna be when he has to put on 30 pounds of muscle to survive practice? I mean, I, I know that's like <laughs> people forget that those guys are pretty strong. <laughs> All right, boys. On that, let's kick off the bell app. So for my bell whoa, app. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you doing? What okay. Are you doing? Well, I was giving you the the oh, the man. chance, but you paused for quite some time. So yeah, I was thinking I like maybe to, I, was I like to let the bell ring, and then I say, Mike, what do you got for people on the bell? All right, all right, run it back, run it back for a I'm, year now. I'm not cutting this, but run it back. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Oh well, well, Steve, thanks for asking. Uh, just tonight, it, it's super simple. Listen, I can see how many people listen to the to the episodes. I'm always checking that data. We're constantly rising, but one thing that's not rising is our iTunes reviews. Please get on there and review us. That is a huge measure of how we start getting advertisers, how this podcast starts to grow. So if you're listening to this right now and you have not reviewed us on iTunes, go do it right now, you dummy. That's all. So Mike, Mike, I actually, my Bell app was in the, was in the same mindset as yours. And so last week we talked about the trash talk line and we're going to get that going. I promise you, by this spring, we will have the trash talk line where you can call in and talk trash and challenge somebody to a local 5K or in your track meet or whatever. Between now and then, your opportunity to talk trash is going to be in our iTunes reviews. I love it. So if you go into <laughs> iTunes, you give us a five-star review, type out a little trash talk about your, you know, your buddy or your competition or your rival, something that you want us to read on the air, we will do that. So go type out some trash talk. Give us a five-star review. Type some trash talk. And we'll end every episode reading out your trash talk that you put in your iTunes review. What do you guys think of that? Love, love it. it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. it. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? 
Uh, just big shout out to anyone running that Valentine's week. I'm going to be there on Friday. Uh, I have a, an athlete that I've been coaching. Uh, she would, she would kill me if I, you know, said her name on air, but, uh, she's running the mile Friday night. So I'll be there. I'm excited. I love Valentine. I love being at BU. That meet was always so much fun, you know, when we were in college, cause you knew there was guys showing up from all the big schools across the country. There's going to be some really elite runners out there. So if you're there, look for me, give me a shout out. Um, and, uh, let's go, uh, let's go Squidward. That's her nickname. So everybody root for squid. Got my, uh, 5k. PR at the BU Valentine's Invitational. Not a big deal. Um, I just want to say that the second round of of t-shirt shipments went out this morning. So if you purchased a t-shirt and you haven't received it yet, you will be getting it sometime soon. But also a reminder, we're actually getting pretty limited in some of the sizes. So if you want a stop P2E t-shirt, you got to go to p2early.com and buy it now before they're gone. Other than that, boys, I would run faster. But I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. like he's in like a 10 year old's bedroom nice i am in a 10 year old's bedroom are those how are those hats hanging up it's like <laughs> this, that, that was like my my big project when i was about 12 was i made a hat <laughs> rack just like hammering nails and stuff uh, they'll Super probably cool. fall down during this interview nice <laughs> did, did you vote for yang are you trying to get that thousand dollars bro yeah okay <laughs> i like i like the idea sometimes or the, the people that like our vote very selfishly of like uh, I could use but a thousand me that bucks thousand or bucks. when I had like more student debt it was like who can clear my student debt like I don't care if it's a good policy <laughs> I just want whoever helps me